Hello and welcome to the Redraft Podcast episode 4. I'm Will Stevenson, I'm one of your co-hosts, the author of We Are Now Approaching, a poetry collection with Benke Publishing, the co-host and co-founder of Switchblade Society, and excitingly, most recently of all, the one-fourth, one-quartered founder of a new CIC with my other co-host, my friend, my pal, Romina Ramos. How are you doing? Hello, hello, hello. I'm Romina Ramos, as you said, uh, and I am the author of Sardines, also with Benke Publishing. I am one half of Nata Bolton. I am one half of uh, Print a Poet, one half of Redraft Podcast, and also with you, one quarter of the Doors Open CIC. That's the word I was looking for, quarter, one fourth, I one said. Fourth. That's not Ooh. right, is it? Oh, that's one way of doing it. That's <laughs> <laughs> one way of doing it. We've literally just founded this yesterday last night at nata we announced it to the whole wide world which was a few weeks ago now in terms of podcast publishing time because time is a construct but we're fresh off the back of it we're working hard to to make sure that all of the the foundational setting stones are there but for those who are unaware which i imagine is most people we won't take up too much of your time because i know you're here about the guest that's in the uh, episode title so we'll talk about him later (laughs) but for anyone that wants to know, what is a CIC and, and what are we doing there, Amina? A CIC is a community interest company uh, and we have created mm. it because uh, all four of us, me, my Nata co-host Stuart Beveridge, you and your partner Michaela, because we are adopted Boltonians and we have seen a gap in this mm. town of a lack, in, a massive lack. It's not even a gap, it's, it's just, it's deprived of culture and of art uh, and of opportunities for young people, creative people. Um, and we want to bridge that gap. We want to we wanna make things happen here and, we, and we're going to, and that's what we're doing with the doors open. So if you're in the Northwest or in the Bolton area, please come and get involved. Um, we're going to be running workshops and events, etc. Um, and the socials are all at the doors open CIC. It's a very exciting time for us, um, but we promise we won't keep banging on about it on the podcast because it's it's a separate thing. But uh, we've been doing it this week and it's, it's been very exciting. So so yeah, we had, uh, we had Natter very recently. It was a good gig. We did. We had lots of new faces come through um, and we had lots of old favourites come through as well. Uh, and, and you know what I love about Natter is it's such a mix variety of people um and you you know you connect older generation with younger people and and all sorts and uh, different different mediums of writing we had a comedian on this time which was great um we had chris husband who does kids stories which and poems which was brilliant um yeah it was a great night um, and it was really really nice the cherry on the top to be able to announce the cic to our community in our community um, and yeah, it was lovely, and we'll be back next month for more. Next month, um, which is now weirdly this month, the next edition of Natter is the 25th? It is the 25th, yeah. Yeah, so that'll be the one, the, the next gig that you can come to um, of hours after this podcast is out. Switchblade is the 16th, so that was yesterday by the time you're getting this, I think. So hopefully that went really well. Um, no one got cancelled and we all had a great time um, I'm sure it, I'm sure it's fantastic um, yeah we'll, we'll get on to our guest who we don't want to spend too yeah, much time shall we introduce the man of the hour the man of the hour very much so um, we went to uh, West Didsbury we went and sat down um, with 
a long-term friend of mine, someone who is doing absolute bits in Manchester, um, Mr. BBC Radio 6 Music, as I introduce him as in a second, um, just a few days after he released his um, debut EP, Poems to Dance To, played a sold-out show in London, played in Manchester for the Radio 6 Music Festival, um, Mr. Anthony Schmerick. We caught him at a really reflective time. Um, he was really open with his time, with his um, with his uh, with his house he, he, he that was in, and with his flat. And we 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 had a great chat. I really enjoyed talking to him. What did you make of of Anthony, Romina? Yeah, I I enjoyed chatting to him. We got a little bit deep, but uh, it was nice. We connected on on similar themes and mm. everything. Um, and yeah, he's a great guy. Um, I've been a fan of his stuff for a while, even before I started out on the scene. I knew of Anthony um, and his his poems and his some of his songs, his early stuff. Um, and yeah, it was really nice to get to chat to him, um, which you'll hear very soon. Amazing. So without further ado, we won't hold you up much longer. Sit back, have a cuppa, have a podcast to dance to. Welcome to the Redraft Podcast with our special guest, Mr. BBC Radio 6 Music, Mr. Manchester Mike Skinner, Mr. Anthony Schmerick. How are you doing, mate? I'm grand, yeah. Lovely to have you in my home. Um, I don't own it, obviously, just in case <laughs> anyone thinks that I've like really made it. It's not great, but we've, we're burning incense. Um, so, yeah, it's going well. It's really nice to be, to be here. Thank you. have not done one in person yet. Um, what do you make of his house? Wow. It's it's a cute flat, yeah. There you go. That's and that. I've lived in worse places, so yeah. you know. <laughs> and that's where we'll leave it. I don't want any like specific descriptions of I've like. I've seen one room and it's cute. And this is the only one you'll see. I I like Unless the wall. You need a wing. I like the art up. So you know, you've okay. got a Monopoly board game up there. I what have. more can you want? Exactly. Um, they are from the album sleeve of a Queens of the Stone Age album, but I can't remember which one. Oh, yeah. And we just really liked the, just like the colours of them, to be fair. I think the, the, the lyrics, like this is the, the fountain of youth. Well, no one can see it. It's an audio experience, this. They are pastel, pastel blue, yellow and red. And there's like lots of trippy little images and quotes from... Um, <laughs> Queen of the Stone Age songs. I believe he, it, yeah, it's fine to like the Queen of the Stone Age again. I think he had a bit of a moment and now it's actually all fine, so don't cancel me, thank it's you. Yeah, maybe it comes back around. That's a good point. <laughs> Those moments. I, don't, I haven't told you this yet. I'm writing a show about Kanye. Um, oh, that, that is interesting. And yeah. do you know what? That's what you need a show to be. If someone says, I'm doing this, you need to go, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, so that's good. Exactly. About, yeah. About your breakup from Kanye, right? Yeah, you've seen some bits of it. It's um I think that's fascinating, that whole that whole idea of cancellation. When are we cancelling people? I can't wait till you get cancelled. Well, it'll probably happen, won't it? It's not long. We're in that age, aren't we? People love cancelling things and people I had a big anti cancellation um sort of drive when I was on the chase. So they actually have a team. (laughs) I mean so they have they have a team that troll through all your old like social media stuff and they like delete things for you. I had th- I had three things deleted and I will not say yeah, don't well, I won't. The point, yeah, it absolutely yeah. does. <laughs> but I was protected. I've had put it this way, I've had Twitter since two thousand and eleven. So that was a different time. Do you know what? That's um 
That little bit of dead air there was because Will saw a warning message on his laptop and started to panic. <laughs> it, it just said you're going to be doing really well. Did it? <laughs> oh, it's nice. <laughs> I've completely lost my train of thought. Is that, is the so you're doing a play? You're doing a play about Kanye? Yeah, what like, about you and Kanye? Uh, yeah, like a, like a... Have you seen, um, like, the, the the Sun show that Rob Alton does and things like that? I haven't. So he does, like, an hour-long... It's, like, comedy and stand-up and poetry about a really specific thing. Mm-hmm. So he does, like, one about the Sun, one about the audience. I think the audience one is mostly improv. Right. And Scary. Um, about these really spe- hyper-specific things stretched out to an hour. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do it in... I haven't actually paid the fees yet, so <laughs> knock on wood, they're still slack. I'm going to do my fringe. Right, nice. This year? Yeah. Oh, my God, that's soon. When is it? July the 28th or something. I wonder when this is now, when it's in people's ears. It could be any time, can't it? That's you might have finished it. Kanye might have been like, oh, I was taken over by an alien <laughs> uh, parasite, <laughs> and it's actually fine. <laughs> Yeah, because of Jonah Hill. <laughs> I saw a video of uh, Seth Rogen laughing at that. Someone said, yeah. just before I saw it on TikTok, yeah, yeah, I'm Gen Z. I do use TikTok, actually. I know I'm 32 years old. Um, <laughs> there was like, some, pre- some presenter said to Seth Rogen, how do you feel that Jonah Hill's taken the title of redeeming Kanye West? And it's like the most I've ever seen Seth Rogen laugh. <laughs> he goes through like the full <laughs> spectrum of Seth Rogen. Like he does like a little giggle and it's like ridiculously loud. The parts of it sound like it hurts. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's an interesting idea for a play. Play, yeah. performance, piece, yeah. show, yeah. show, show, show. show. Why not? show. We've all diversified, haven't we, in our old age? Yeah, you've got to. Well, we'll put our books partially, out. Partially why we started this, isn't it? I guess talking about diversity and what writing means in general. Um, and why we do it rather than just like this is a poetry podcast because there are poetry podcasts and that's great but that's not a <laughs> that's not the redraft podcast yeah and I mean even as a poet I don't really listen to poetry podcasts I read poetry when I'm in the mood for it but yeah well we have similar taste in podcasts don't we mm. I don't know about you Ramino actually but has Will got you onto off menu and everything yet off menu uh, it's on my list A-caster but I've started listening to oh, millennial yeah. Yeah. F- yeah. fake Adulting, is yeah, it yeah, the sub subtitle yeah. to it? Um, but yeah, I listen. I do listen. I listen to this one called First Impressions, which is a literature one. Nice. Um, so so it's very, it's us. very eclectic. Like there's all not not just poets on there. There's different types, and also Blind Blind Boy. Right. Blind yeah, Boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, no, but I know of it. Yeah. Okay. He so. is incredible. Yeah, and it he he briefly touches on literature in some of his uh, episodes, but it's yeah, it's a great podcast. It's just very. Because he's a guy, an Irish guy, who walks around with a bag on his head, but he's one of the deepest thinkers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Of our time, for sure. Easy to think when you've got a bag on your head, is what I've always said. Is that what you've always said? That's a poem. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. There you go. Free content there. Um, Speak to my agent (laughs) about how much that goes. (laughs) Yeah, Jesus. Um, Right, let's go back. Yeah, man. A little time. Have you got a noise for that on the? Uh, you got like a little time travel noise. <laughs> didn't expect that, did you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's gonna go virile. Right. Um, school. Yeah, man. You were a teacher before music, before poetry. Yep. We never talked about school for you. What was it like? Not really. I was. Um, a bit of like an in-betweener, I guess, at school. Like, I 
liked school. I enjoyed school. Um, and I had, I had, I wasn't like the coolest guy at school, but I wasn't, yeah, I was an in between. I wasn't like disliked. Mm. I was just, so I'm working actually at the minute on a Thursday at my old school where I went. I'm doing a, oh, a, a workshop there for my friend. So that's weird to be back in there. And the school seems the same. And I thought some of the staff were pretending to remember me because they do that a lot. If you go back to your school, they were like, oh, yeah, I remember you had this, like, green bag. And you're like, no, you didn't. That's ridiculous. It was, like, 15 years ago. Yeah, I remember, yeah. Um, but some of them do remember me, which is quite odd. I had, so I was I was a prefect. I was deputy head boy. Really? Yeah. Wow. But I was also on behavior report. So I had my, wow. on my blazer, I had my badge, I had my deputy head boy badge, and then I had my behavior report in there. So it's like, I could be friends with everyone. It was like my, uh, yeah, my master key. Were you? Because what what I, what I assume is you were he, you were deputy head boy because of like getting on with subjects and doing well. Um, it was more like being I don't know being an extrovert and like the job was like getting people to line up and like organizing stuff and I could do that sort of thing. Um, I was never particularly academic really. I was I worked really hard uh, to get like B's and C's. And that was like quite a graph, to be fair. Um, and it only kind of got worse at college. I, I really like disengaged at college and just scraped in to university. Um, and the only reason I went to university was so I could have my own room and I didn't have to share a room with my brother anymore. So, but I did like school, I, and I have like some fond memories of it, I guess. And I'm really lucky. Like I have a core like group of friends, and we're still friends from school. And our parents know each other, and we knew each other at primary school and nursery, and we're like still friends now. Which is really weird. What do they make of the past like six months? Yeah, they're, they're like, buzzing for me, man. They're like really, really excited. It's taken a little bit of like them figuring out like how big it is or how small it is and like trying to like fathom it. And yeah, my mate, da- Danny always gets a shout out. I feel like I shouldn't always shout Danny. I need to shout like Callum and, and, and Peely a little bit more. DJ. I'm going to try to shout them all now just in case someone gets annoyed. Pan, <laughs> Martin. Um, yeah, Jesus, that's bad. But. Yeah, Danny listens. He listens to radio one every night in the shower at like Jack Saunders time, and he like dives out of the shower and be like, "He's like, you on the radio?" Um, but they love it. Yeah, Callum, like, you know, our, our, my relationship with them boys, um, Callum specifically, really was based on going to live music and going to gigs. So now we get to kind of do that, and we're, you know, being given opportunities on on like bigger platforms. It's daft, and he's like the first person I tell. Really, you know, if I've bumped into a minor celebrity or I've been on the radio or a song has been played at a certain thing. You know, like we were big Arctic Monkeys fans and then we were on the playlist on six because of alphabetical order, like next door to each other. So it was my name. And I know, man. Alphabetical order is my biggest industry ally. <laughs> so like on all of the lineup posters, I'm like right at the top. Like I'm like massive and it's like, yeah. Even now when I say my name on a poster and it's like at the bottom, I'm like, what do you mean? I'm massive. <laughs> yeah, excuse me. Um, so that's been that's been a real industry ally, actually. But yeah, they like they they're obviously buzzing for it. Like I didn't have many guest list spots for Six Music um, the other week. Whenever this goes out, but it was that yeah, me, mum, and my cousin came, and yeah, Callum and Danny. So it's always like, and I could see them all the way through the gig. <laughs> Just like see, you can't see very far past. See like a few rows in. But like it kind of like the light just caught their like faces looking up at me like what the hell is happening? Can I sw- <laughs> can I swear on this podcast? Yeah. Fuck. Hey. There you go. I'm used to it, you know, being on the BBC. <laughs> 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 I'm joking. We couldn't even get the fucking. <laughs> I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is this is actually 
nicer than some of the BBC studios. And, and we've already slagged my flat off. And it's actually, yeah, it shows, it shows up bad to it. <laughs> my house. <laughs> Excuse me. Let's try and edit anything out that's going to ruin things for me, please. I'm already skating on thin ice. Yeah. But yeah, school was good. What about English in particular? Yeah, that, and to be fair, it was the... Obviously, I became an English teacher. Yeah. And I still am an English teacher. Um, yeah, I had, a, I had a teacher in year 10, uh, Mr. Wallace. Actually, I don't really care. He was actually quite a grumpy old bastard, really. Hated everyone. Hated like anyone who was in Key Stage 3. And then in, when we were in year 10, we read... I don't know what it was about his influence. I don't really know. We read To Kill a Mockingbird. I play the same for a lot of people in it. And I like really engaged with it secretly, like in my head. Yeah, yeah, I was like, I fucking love this. <laughs> I was like, I love stories. Keep reading to me. Keep reading to me more. <laughs> I was like, really, really into it. Never poetry, though. Never poetry. Hated the anthology. Hated all of that sort of stuff. But then, again, looping back to the, to the Arctic Monkeys, remember Alex Turner being like, oh, it mainly teacher. You know, I was bang, banging to poetry and John Cooper Clark putting a, po- a picture of him in the room. Um... And then I really, kept, I, I was really impressionable. I was like, what, 16? So I really wanted to be like him. So I remember, like, there is a John Cuba Clark poem on the inside sleeve of the single of Fluorescent Adolescent. And it's one that doesn't get out anywhere. It's called, like, A Fairground, I think. I remember reading that. Yeah, it's in there somewhere. It's like, you know, it's, like it's not even, like, uh, one that I don't think anyone ever speaks about. It. It's like a secret. Um, but, yeah, I remember reading that and liking it. And then I just wanted to be in an indie band, I think, and then never was. I do, yeah. Yeah, I really do. It, it, I think that's what we're out to prove now this summer is what it is really as, a, as, a, as an act. I think people are starting to see it. And I think even people turn, turn up and they're like, oh, it might be me and some on CDJs and a backing track. But it is a band. I think that's what I'm settling on what the project is. And like we, we're working on, I'll show you in a bit actually, we, we're working on like the, where it's going. And there's some indie stuff on this project, like the poems to dance to era or whatever. But it's definitely going in like a dancey direction. And, you know, like Hitchhiker's ilk, that's the way we head him. So, like, what was my point? <laughs> Just about, yeah, you're, you're in a band and that's it. Yeah, and then I think I've settled on it. Like poster, isn't it. Yeah, and I'm still like a bit controlling over mm. a lot. Of, you know, I still have the decision making capacity, and the boys are still like, I guess. And to clarify for anyone that doesn't know the boys, it's. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, my my brother's on guitar. Yeah. Um, my friend from uni, Tom, is on bass, and our mutual friend, Robin Parker, has produced a lot of the songs and is on synth and steers the ship, as I call it, yeah. um, from the back and plays additional synths and stuff, which has really helped actually. Um, so I've I've decided that it's I think what I'm at the moment saying it's like UK dance music played by an indie band. Is what it is, yeah, yeah, and that's yeah, kind yeah. of where I've settled on at the moment, because it is an indie band really, and I'm singing on a few a few of the songs, and you know we end on like a straight down the line Sugar Babes cover <laughs> for some reason. Indie band of all time. Yeah, yeah, that's famously indie, famously indie band. Um, yeah, I, yeah, it's been that's that's kind of what it is. I think we're headed in like, yeah, dancier territory. Like the sound of your territory. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. I think we like. I'm listening to a lot of like LCD sound system and hot chip and stuff at the minute, and I'm thinking that might be where we go, mm. but with poems. A bit angry of you. Yeah. 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 I like. That's an important thing actually for my writing. I am angry about a lot of things mm. all of the time, but 
I made a conscious decision not to put that into the mm. um into the the music at least in in my poetry yeah and you know in my page poetry I still write poetry nearly every day and there's page poetry yeah. and stuff like that and I think that's maybe a, a, a realm for that but I I like the idea that someone described it as like reluctantly optimistic my music and it is it's like when I know everything's shit but I want people to have a good time at the shows. I want people to dance. And I want people to be smiling. I don't want people to be angry. And I watch bands that make that, that you feel angry when you, you know, and, you, and it's like a revolution, and it's revolt and it's anger. But that's not my thing. I can't do that when I'm on stage. I'm too giddy and silly. So then I want the music to be, even though there's like a lot of sighing and a lot of like it winks at things that are like sad and bad. But I'm like, you know, there's trumpets and dancing. Yeah. Lovely. You've given me a little memory there of when I can't remember what time it was. It was one time when you were at Switchblade. It might have been the first time you headlined. Yeah. Um, Switchblade was my poetry night and I just got you sent a cold one which I can't recall off the voice of my face. Big up, Mickey. Um, and the Pear Hat and Switchblade. Always, always the Pear Hat. They do amazing things. You did a piece. I can't remember what it was but it was, it was angry and it was visually yeah. angry. Yeah. I thought, this doesn't suit you. <laughs> no, why. it was... And it was great. Like, it was, it was called. Time. It was called Switchblades. Mm, mm, it was. Yes. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. it was me like assimilating, I guess, with that night, and we, we everyone was angry at that time, as we always are. <laughs> but you know, it did feel like it felt punky and particularly rough patch. Yeah, I, and I, I think I was trying stuff on. Maybe I don't. I remember because I think it was when we you had everyone back to like all the past headliners came back and we had like a little celebration didn't we and I remember yeah you like tagged me in a video of me performing I was like fucking hell that's nothing like how I perform now it had been about two years since yeah. the last time you headlined it yeah and then we had the birthday where you came back was it only where there was a pandemic in the middle yeah yeah. I wonder do you reckon the pandemic chilled you out <laughs> I think what's chilled me out because I am so much more chilled than I used to be um, is just getting older I think I think I've just getting older and I'm more comfortable in my skin, and I know who I am now. Mm. And I, I, th- I thought, I think I keep saying this thing where I'm like, I think my twenties were like trying to figure out who I, who I was, and now in my thirties, I'm like, I know who I am, and like, what can I do with it? And that's how I feel. I feel settled, and I feel like I know who I am. You know, I've, I've figured out loads of different things. I think probably got ADHD. I don't sleep very much. I you know, there's a, a very much a front-facing... There's two different versions, isn't there? There's this one that I'm now in the room, and then there's the Instagram version that everyone's... Every time I see everyone now in, in the street, everyone's like, oh, you, you must feel amazing. Like, congratulations, you must be buzzing. And I'm like, ah, yeah, it's Tuesday, and, like, something bad happened to me. I don't know. It, you've got all of these different faces that you're wearing all the time. I think I've just, yeah, just settled in and, like, know what my lane is and what I can do and what I can offer. And I, I, yeah, I think that's what I want my work to be. That's how I am in real life. That's just like, I just, I want my work to reflect who I am as a person. I don't need another mask. I don't need another character. I don't need to be another thing now. I just want it to be. And that's my, that's why they act my name. It's not a pseudonym. It's not a band name. It's literally my first and last name. And that surname is my dad's name. I never knew my dad, you know. My dad died like 10 years ago. Never knew him. But I wanted, it just feel that's my name. I'm not getting rid of it. So that's honest, and like, and that's what I think good art is. I was speaking to Kate Island about this yesterday, about what good art is, and it's just it's honesty. 
if you're trying to do anything, you, you, you can tell. You can subconsciously tell. It's got to be honest. It's got to be real. Or there's no point in doing it. And like, that probably wasn't real that I was doing. I was probably thinking, in terms of that poem, I was probably like, this would make a good poem. This is, I know I can perform and I can shout and everyone will go, that was sick. Because I would, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. We all know that. You're preaching to the choir, aren't you? You know what I mean? We're in the fucking pier hat in the basement. So yeah, I think all of that's kind of like fallen away a little bit. And they're still like trying to find different parts of my voice and like, you know, my identity and who I am and things like that. And I wouldn't say I'm fixed or or together. I think so. And I think you're always trying to change and, and develop and move, but... You know, I, I'm definitely, like, much more comfortable in myself than I've ever been. I wonder, <coughs> as the youngest one here, <laughs> <laughs> do you, does that reflect your experience into your going to work as well? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, like, I am getting older now. I'm 33 next month, this month, next month, next month. <laughs> the oldest one in the fucking room. <laughs> yeah, next month. <laughs> it's the teacher in you. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I haven't been writing probably as long as you have, I would say, because I've only... Started writing seriously in, in 2017, maybe, 18. In the grand scheme of things, you've been writing for years, aren't you? Like, So yeah, I feel I like... Think I, I think I've been performing for longer than you. I oh, yeah, yeah. Writing itself, yeah, 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 maybe. But your yeah, your I stuff, think can I just say on record that I really, really love your stuff? Thank uh, you. I was speaking to Will about the first time I ever performed in real... Uh, performed live and it was a saying yeah and you were there yeah you did your beans poem oh god and the you beans did era. um <laughs> and you did the the ultimate denim concert usa yeah as well. man um, big up god that must have been quite early like even that was a long that was in at the end of 2021 yeah so it was it was, it was a bit ago uh, but that was my first ever performance at saying. I remember it. And it was it was crazy. And I feel like yeah, I feel like I've definitely developed a lot since then and been comfortable in myself. And I I was fresh out of uni there with a with a really high first. Not to toot my own arm, but that's just to say that when I performed, I brought them poems that got me that really high mark because I thought these these have to be good, you know, because I've been told so by uni. But now I feel like I'm much more comfortable in just writing honest stuff. Like, not that those poems weren't honest, because I write as a form of therapy, so everything I write is honest and it's true to yeah. what I'm going through at that time or what I've been through in my life. But I do feel like I'm more comfortable now in, in just being me. And I feel like the Manchester poetry scene has helped that massively, because everywhere I've gone, I've just been welcomed, like I've been a part of it forever, you know? Yeah. Like it's, it's like... it's. It, you know, there is room for everybody, and it does happen, doesn't it? I mean, I've experienced. I'm sure we've all experienced some little bits of that. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. What would you say? I'm like, ah, this is fun for me now. I'd say every every culture so what, and every community has like the, the little cliques the, and the, the little egos state and stuff. Of the Manchester poetry scene is you both <laughs> of you because I'm kind of I'm 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 out of it in a little way. I I, I have to because I haven't really got room or time. I've dipped back in for like. You know, Colleen and 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 helping Glossop and just for a mate, really. Yeah, rhyming word, big up. And then obviously for Switchblade to come back and do that. And I obviously did Kate's like blether when she opened that. Um, but like it's mates now, really, and I don't really see it at large. And I can see there's so many nights at the moment. Yeah, this is the thing. I mean, there's little whispers that the 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 scene at the moment is very like clicky and very groupy and stuff, but. I see it differently because every time, every month, there's a new night that's popped up. 
And when you look at those lineups, they're very fresh. There's names. Like, when I first started, the certain people performed at most nights, you know, the, yeah. the big names. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you were definitely in that era, weren't you, when it was the same sort yeah, of like Yeah, it was people. like, you know, but I feel like now I look at a lot of the lineups of these new events and they're very eclectic, very different. And a lot of people are unknown to me, which is amazing because yeah. you don't want to be yeah. seeing the same. I've certainly been to nights where it's just like poets watching poets and... Yeah, and yeah. you know it's it's great you're in a little community and everything and it's a, it's good you can workshop material and things like that yeah but i really the, really love the nights where you're reaching people that you'd never would reach do you know what i mean I, yeah and yeah 100 i'm glad that's still happening i'm glad there's still people coming up who's it's like who's next up in it it'd be oh, so nice to see it, it, so to me i think we're in the sort of third distinct era of nights that i've seen yeah we're doing it since like 20 18 or whatever. Yeah, of course. Because, like, cause that was when I met you, was the first year I was there. Yeah, it was. And there was Speak. Yeah. Night, which was Owen that. It was. Jimmy's Bar, which was a great night. It was so good, and it just didn't. We, we were at the tail end of it. I think yeah. I went twice, and it was gone. Yeah. <laughs> They've moved to Liverpool now, right? Well, yeah. yeah. It, was a, it was a whole relationship <laughs> thing was involved with that. Um, what is it, Will? <laughs> I'm joking. Yeah, I'm joking. Yeah. I'm joking. <laughs> um, and then there was like there was evidently. Did you ever go with evidently? Is Never, it? no. At the yeah, the King's Arms. Um, yeah, which was mint. There was the old old verbose. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was in Levy, right? That was somewhere different. Yeah, it, was. it did used to be at Levy. I can't remember the bar it was at. Oh, so that was it again. Pre me, my yeah, yeah. my first era was uh, Adam Avonzo. Was it? Yeah. Right, okay. Yeah. So that's had two another distinct incarnations now. We've just Adam and Amy. Amy, yeah. And, and now you've got the three yeah. legends. I think it's really lovely that that you know it gets pa- the torch gets passed down to yeah. new yeah. people, and you've got all these different generations that have hosted it and that have attended it. Yeah, like my mum used to attend Verbose when she was a student at uni doing a BA in yeah, creative yeah, writing, yeah, yeah. and that was. Which to be fair, was like that makes it sound like it was twenty years ago. No, but no, no, no. no. <laughs> yeah, I've yeah. already mentioned about uh, graduating at fifty, but it it was back when it was Sarah, so it's it's still two generations ago. Like, and I think that's really lovely. No one stops it, you know, and it ends and something else starts. It's it's nice. It rains over time. It's horrible. We're all reflecting constantly and like trying to write and make something whatever it is music or art or i think i think it's definitely part of the um the fabric here poetry we're asked to do a poem for like some big award ceremony thing that's starting up here like next month and that's the first one i've written a poem in ages like especially it wants to be like performed yeah yeah it's it's a great like charity it's like a big charity for like um music therapy and stuff like that so that's why i said to do it do you think the process is different when you've been asked to do something yeah, definitely. Because you've got to yeah. remain PG. Hitler. Kind of, yeah. I think it's more like you, you're writing someone else's brief, aren't you? But then you, what, you, I think I always worry about it before I've started it. Then when I start it, it becomes your own thing. And sometimes those w- ones that you write for like a commission or a brief, they become like a really banging poem that you love that's like, it ends up somewhat different from what you think. They all end up different only from what you think they're going to be. They all like meander and move away from... Mm, 100%. I will... Um, We'll go back to the start of poetry. So yep. how did you? Because you, because in my eyes, you you are you are a performer to a degree. Yeah. Was it was was that the first time you was on a stage? In which at uh, speak? No, just in general in doing poetry. I, I um. Want, but the 
first time you walked onto a poetry stage? <laughs> That's a good question. I, my memory's terrible, which you'll now discover. High school plays? I have always been a performer, yeah, but no, like, I think at heart, definitely. I don't think... That's why when I figured out that I could perform and maybe that's something that I could do that in a different way than other people could, was like doing that. was doing the poetry stuff. Yeah. Maybe not speak specifically. Where did it even start? Tell you where it started. My mate Stephen Langstaff, who we used to teach with, he went and did. Oh, yeah, Night Terror's Poetry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't yeah. know you knew about Side of Poetry. Yeah, I know him from... We taught together at Charlton High School for years. And he was writing some poetry... What happened? I was writing, I was writing novels and short yeah, stories. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. what I was doing. I was writing short stories, and then he started writing poetry, yeah. and then he went to perform at a night in Cholton, and I went with him yeah. and watched him do it, and then was like, oh, "What a bit of that!" Yeah. So I went and did a short story the next week, and it was called "Last Waltz at Weatherspoons." <laughs> so me and Amy King, I'm just shouting off. He's like our friends out that no one knows in this podcast. <laughs> she had a she had a, a poem called "Coming Out in Weatherspoons," and I had "Last Waltz at Weatherspoons." Yes, she does. I love that. Piece. So we both it's had well, yeah, yeah. so good. We both had Weatherspoons poems. So I, I had I wanted a bit of that, and then I just like liked the reaction that things had got, and then my writing just kept getting smaller and smaller and smaller. So it was short stories anyway. It already changed from novels to short stories, and then it became poems. And then I started writing, it, even my short stories were becoming like musical and rhythmical and I was like, oh, okay, so I do want to write poetry. And I kept like holding off for it for some reason. And then when I started writing poetry, I was like, right, here we go. So that's even, I've written that in my notes. I've written six lines of notes for you. Nice. But one of them says, the ultimate denim concert year six yeah. has got performance breakdowns into it. Yeah. All in response. And that was the one that was doing well, wasn't it? Yeah, and it's got like a chorus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it has. So it was all happening by accident. I think it was all happening like under my feet. Mm. Um, oh, it's such a good little piece that Ultimate Denim Concert USA. I don't, uh, it's weird to big yourself up in it, but it's because I don't think about it anymore. I don't think it is weird, especially when that seems like even for me that seems like such an like say an yeah yeah time, yeah. But it seems like a different person. Definitely. Well, I, again, it's probably that like I was saying like that comfort and bring, like coming into yourself and. As a performer, but also as a person, I think it's definitely a big part of it. Um, but yeah, I think that that was it really. And then it was the pandemic where I thought, well, I could probably put this to music. I think, mm. um, and I guess you well, you've probably got something to say about that, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> I don't know how many. Yeah, because it's one of those things. It's all taken on like a life of its own. But we were definitely entwined in that, weren't we? It together for a little bit. Well, I mean, that's 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 what's interesting about it is the relationship I got is that so it was that it was the pandemic summer when yeah. we all went to punk in Woodwick. Yeah. Um that's when we st- like we'd been mates and we hung out a bit. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it was because of the the weirdness of the whole world. Yeah. That it felt that we needed people that we like I needed someone that was not just my friend. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It was like a creative person. So it's like push you along a little yeah. bit. Yeah, for sure. And it was prior to it was prior to meeting you and it was prior to Kids Play had been going for a bit, but then we had to cancel it due to the pandemic. So we yeah. only had like three or four nights of it. And I've been about in the scene for ages because I've just turning up, doing my phone, fucking up, basically. And I was starting to do bits or restarting to do bits and bobs of music with Robin, who I knew from uni. We had Salford together. And we'd always been really close and we were living together at that point, were we? Should we for the listener, yeah. Robin Parker yeah. is the producer of 
a lot of poems to dance to, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Fallacy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And Will's friend, first. As <laughs> <laughs> just lovely human beings. Yeah, he's... Weird a, to talk about him, isn't it? it is a bit weird. I'm sure he'd be... I feel like he's blushing now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> From a distance. And so... Or maybe he's just moved out pre-pandemic. It was a point where we were making stuff together, like the summer before, I think. I might be shot as well. I think it's an ADHD thing. Yeah, probably. And yeah, that may, I think that makes sense. But it was the summer before, after like graduating, we had a house together for a year. Um, and then we'd, we'd renewed it. We'd moved to the flat in the gallery in Oxford Road. That's mm-hmm. where it was. He, it, we, we couldn't live on top of it, basically. Mm-hmm. And we were getting to the point where like stuff would fall out, just do just stupid shit like yeah, yeah, yeah. Being powered up and that. And <laughs> I was like, right, I need uh, just another creative person. I bet you were on. piling the place up, weren't you? Oh yeah, you I'm little prick. I'm proper tidy now. <laughs> yeah, sure. I am. You live with Michaela. Uh, yeah, but yeah, top. <laughs> and she's not. She's not a normal person. <laughs> <laughs> she, she's not a normal person. No, she's not at all. <laughs> she's not. <laughs> <laughs> but so because of all of that. I, I needed a new like creative person to bounce off. Mm-hmm. I'm talking to you about like stuff, and it's when you played Difference, which you'd written on. Your oh, this is interesting to hear. Well, yeah, it was all me. It's all hardcore. It's hardcore. your. You, you've got one. It's the um, Volca sample. That's it. So you'd written a tune, Difference, on your Volca sample. I'd already had like a few, like an album's worth of songs come out of Robin. Yeah, that was when we were at uni. It was a long. It was like a year ago. As as bodies. As bodies. Yeah. And I heard that, and that was the song that got me back into writing. Wow. Yeah, for That's real, cool. really, for, for like a beat again. So I was like, this beat is brilliant. I love it. And I wanted to jump. I actually listened to it the other day. <laughs> I'm really proud of that verse I got set for. I think yeah, it is a good verse. verse. I was annoyed that yours was really good, and I didn't even try on mine. I didn't even try. I just spaffed it out. <laughs> it's rubbish. And I can't remember where we started. But it was to do with the yeah yeah so me and Robin yeah and I'd I'd like I'd like different so much that I'd, I think I said to you let's do a project together yeah because I loved I loved that beat I like what I did on it and then you we I said that Robin can touch this up or do some beats or whatever yeah that was it and he did he completely remixed the beat on difference yeah he just re- like recreated it on his made it, yeah on Logic mm-hmm. and then we just started. Ideas yeah, and we had we made a whole project yeah. like back and forth, back and forth. <laughs> well, we are, I need to speak to you about that to be fair because we just deleted my entire. There's a way that we can sort that out in a nicer way, but yeah, that uh, we've had like a clean up on my Spotify. I don't know if you've seen it now. Have, yeah, there's I like two projects. All the singles still to keep the streaming numbers. That's really uh, that's what happens when you get a label. Magic, yeah, it's not me. I had no <laughs> idea who did it. Yeah, Mark's done it from Lab. Um, but it's all clean now, and, and it's all like been tidied up. I actually looked at your discography today. Oh yeah, um, that's weird to hear someone say discography. I, I know, yeah, it's it's it was like see your discography, so I clicked <laughs> on it, and I yeah, I was I only saw two albums on there, the twenty twenty one one, yeah, um, and obviously your new stuff, poems to dance to. Well, that that is it. That that is what everything's been basically. It's just that everything was laid out in singles, so it's just now we've just repackaged it all as poems to dance to, and this whole like. Last year has been poems to dance to, and we put a little cherry on top with the new song. Um, there's a few that have sneakily been um, shot dead in the back garden. Yeah. Not many. And that's the stuff that was hard-weathered. Yeah. Different. There was another song from that era as well, right? Yeah. 
What was so I, the first thing I had was some worries I had at the party, which that's was just it, a spoken word EP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that I made all, all of my own. Yeah. Didn't mix or master it at all. Everything was me. I had no idea. I don't think I could do it now. Don't know how I managed to manage to do that. Yeah, I think it was just everyone was having a breakdown because of COVID, yeah. and it was just everything that went into that. Some really good lyrics on that project. Yeah, and I think sometimes you, you've got to hold things back, and sometimes there's like a time for them. I don't think it's gone. I'd love to like do another version of like Rain Sounds playlist or mm-hmm. some worries I had at the party. I don't think they're like gone. I think I could, you know, my dream now is to, and because I think it's my dream now because it feels achievable, but I want to. We've got another mixtape out, I guess it's the next week. We've got another mixtape out at the end of the year contractually obliged now and then it'll be a record in 2024 with whoever that ends up being with or whatever that ends up being or whatever so i'm like trying to think in my head what an album would be now and there's still songs that will end up on there i think and there's stuff that uh, i've put out in- don't forget you've known me for a long time mm. so you've seen a lot of these songs and what they working class i've seen three different versions yeah, yeah. maybe more at least yeah. yeah and it's and and you know, but there's people who are just discovered. There's someone, someone will have listened to poems to dance to today for the first time, and will never have heard any of those songs. And that's what you've got to like. You've got to zoom out in your head, really. But there's loads of those things that I think will come back. I think there's some from from some um, some ways I had at the party that might loop back round. Mm. Um, but it's just like having them the right time, making them as as good as they can be, I guess, and trying to like look forward and, and make, you know, the best things you can you can make. I think it was, I guess, doing that that project with you, like, helped me, like, do some, like, hip-hop-based stuff and, like, try and flow a bit more. From my perspective, it helped you relax a bit. Yeah, I think so. I think in terms of, like, I didn't want anyone to think I was a rapper. I was like, I don't want to be a rapper. That's embarrassing. I'm 32. I was 30 then or whatever. But then I was like, oh, there's a way to do it, and there's a way that I can still keep my voice. So then, I guess, then the mixture of that spoken word EP and the body's EP, then I I felt confident enough to write... I guess what now has become given up for beginners, mm. um, and that's why there's still some like hip hop on there, and there's all, it's all in there. If you listen to it, it's all in there. Mm. The afters is like a pre Hitchhiker's Guide to the Fallacy, and yeah, the and yeah. yeah, there's there's a lot of different. You can see, you can feel me trying. I think if you listen back, I just listen. I can only hear the imperfections in that now, though. To be fair, but people do like it. I think I would have probably shot that in the back garden as well if I had the chance. It's interesting. Talk to Rogan about this. Oh, Brogan! Shout out, Brogan. <laughs> he uh, he spoke about like the idea of killing your darlings, but after you'd after you'd lived with them, and you like you just said, like you've lived yeah. with these songs for years. Yeah, nobody else. Exactly, and and I find that difficult. I found I've spoke to you about working classic. I found that really difficult. I mean, that will probably come later in the podcast. To be fair, but in terms of, I don't write like that anymore, mm. and and people really connect to that song. In we. Terms of what just I don't it, that song is about what it's about yeah. and I don't really write things about what they're about I like things have okay. ambiguity and like a bit more open-ended sort of lyrical like you know a bit more abstract and that's just about what it's about and I don't really like writing things about what they're about so but then things take on a different shape live as well so we played London um a headline show in London last week it's like it was mad, like, you know, it was one of the first times I was meeting my sort of fan base. I was like, there's 150 people in here, and you've all come f- for me, because we didn't tell them who the support acts were. You all know the music, and I'm like, oh, you're my people. Like, you're the people who like this, and you're not from where I'm from, and I don't know any of you. So that was a really emotional experience. 
A really emotional Just on experience. that, how does that compare, like, a gig like that to, like, a gig, say, when you played at Nathan Parker's book launch at Bootleg, where people don't really, probably didn't, yeah. half of the people probably didn't know you, but yeah. you, you still yeah. got... Yeah, At the end, you had a little fan much. base because you had everyone on the dance yeah. floor like jumping up to the tunes. Oh, it's different. It's <laughs> it's definitely like taking a level up. It's hard to. It is, it, I'm I'm, ri- I'm right. I'm just on the edge. <clears throat> excuse me, uh, on the edge of like a really sort of big period of time. It's only been a few days, you know. It was like last. It's not even been a week since Six Music Festival um, at time of record, and not even been a week since we did this headline show. And it's hard to, you know fathom it all because there was people at the show in london who you know people was wanting to get the set list off the stage people have told us about in yeah i've done it a million times and people who knew songs i'm like i don't understand how you know that song or they would quote lyrics to me and like you know this song means a lot to me this reminds me of this and it was a it was weird because like hitchhiker always gets a really big reaction and it did, but then like working class, it got a massive reaction in London, and there's loads of lyrics just about here, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. The second line's about Werner Flow, like a hill over there, and everyone was like singing that like word for word, a word for, like when we did working class, it was one of them where we were looking at each other, like, why is this is a weird one that's like banged off sort of thing. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's really hard. As well, when you're talking about like both like ceilings and stuff. Yeah. Like, classics, like, yeah, yeah, that's quite universal, isn't it? I think. Yes, it's about place. It's about it's like poetry. It's like it's like with sardines. There's so many pieces in that collection that are so clearly an experience. It's so diverse from anything that I have ever come close to experiencing. Being like an immigrant, and yeah, experience, but I can still feel a connection. To it. Yeah, you could. It's some feelings are universal, like you say. Like my my experience of migrating, you can relate that to your experience of growing up a working class lad. Mm a lot of the time mm. because a lot of the part of migrating was because we were poor, was mm. because we had no money, forced us to move countries. Coming up here, we were really, really poor. And you might not relate to the migration and things, but, you, yeah, you, it's universal. You'll, you'll, you'll relate it to other aspects of your life for yeah. sure. And there's, there's ideas of transit as well. Like, like when you were speaking earlier about uni, the idea of moving to a new place for the first time mm-hmm. and under your own roof, being in control of your own decisions. Yeah away from like somebody's eye for the first time is something that everyone at some point will have experienced at some point. Hundred percent. Like you moving from Skegness up yeah. to Manchester, you know what I mean? It's not Portugal to England, but it's hey, it's it's, it's, it's this <laughs> it, yeah. And it's dislocation. It's yeah, yeah. it's moving away from everything and everyone that you know and starting afresh and yeah. migration is that as at the end of the day. You're trying, trying to find universal truths, aren't you, throughout mm. all of your work and that connects you to people. But the connection is strange when it's strangers mm. and when it's mostly strangers and that is a hard thing that i've not really managed to figure out yet and it's just starting mm. it's genuinely just starting from last week I, I, th- this is the first weekend that i've been recognized and asked for photographs not at my own gig and out and about we went to seattle really? parks on sunday and there was people asking me for photographs so i think that'll take a long time to, yeah. to and process what do you do, what do, you do with that yeah and it's, it's really lovely but then what I've also started, what I also find really difficult is after a gig, you've got, I have this horrible thing in my head where, because on stage I'm like really animated and like super personable mm-hmm. and like the, 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 the sort of film between me and the audience is really thin. Like I'm in the, I get in the crowd, I speak to people, ask people's names. I mean, it's like, it's really, really inclusive as a, as a show. And then I come off stage 
and people come over and they expect that version of you. They want you to be exactly the same. They want, and then I, all I'm doing in my head is going, and I'm looking at my shoes and I'm fidgeting and I'm like, I'm not as funny as they, they want me to be or they don't think I'm that same person or they must think I'm fucking well boring now or I'm trying to sell them a fucking t-shirt and I'm like, this is so like crass and embarrassing. And there's like, the, the I've really found it difficult. I'm not actually, I've not enjoyed any of the experiences after the gigs yet. And I thought I really, really would. We ne- nearly on maybe on Friday after London it was like a crew of I don't know you're supposed to do this but it was like twenty like me and twenty of the people who came to the show went out which you're not <laughs> supposed to do and they're not my friends I think they are my friends you're not supposed to do that you're supposed to go somewhere else you're supposed to like go somewhere else and I was just like yeah all right let's just go out yeah so I was just like out with like and then you like question if you know are they your mates. Yeah, well, they want you know you get you have your pictures and all that, and then it's like so. This is another weird, really weird one. So the gig on Friday, mm. someone's recorded the whole gig pro shot and put it on YouTube. A, a person I don't know, and it's just Anthony Schmerich live at Lalo. And then I've never that's never happened, obviously. But if you watch it back, it's like because I'm saying all this stuff in between the songs, and it's like someone's recorded my, one of my nights out and published yeah. it to YouTube, and it doesn't feel great. It, yeah, it doesn't yeah. feel great. It, the so- is, watching the songs is fine, but I'm like, fucking, I can't remember doing any of that. Or like speaking, I was saying daft things in between the songs, and I'm like, someone's recorded all of this, and it's on, it's like public domain stuff now, and there's no reason he can't do that. But no, the I've whole thing's that, there. I've done that before, not a whole set. Yeah. Then, you know, I've, I've, I've acted, yeah. yeah. And you would go, I, I have. Yeah. I've not put them on YouTube, but you could. Yeah. And there's people have channels on YouTube for that sort of stuff. So that was a really odd experience. I'm just like, Martin, my brother, he sent me the, the link to it. He found it. And I was like, I remember the guy. I remember seeing a camera. And it's just like, you know, you can quite heavily edit and, mm. you know, put out what you want to put out. And it's, it's quite... Yeah, well, yeah, thank you. Yeah, please edit. Um, well, you can like... Yeah, there's like some... Like, you know, there's just lots. Every, every day now I get messages from people who say things that would have blown my mind sort of six months ago. And... and you know, who want different things and I don't know, like Twitter now is like a thing where it never used to be for me and I've got like, I've got like the newsletter now and people like, and there's like, it goes out to quite a lot of people and they appreciate it and I'm like, fucking I just want to hear about like the things that I did this week. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, weird. Very weird. Do you think it impacts on your future writing? Like wanting to share levels oh, of personal yeah. stuff? Because it, like yeah. going back to give it up, yeah, There's some really personal stuff in there that, like, yeah. having watched the situation unfold, I <laughs> yeah, of course, yeah, like okay, you're right, yeah, yeah. Now, you know what I mean? There are some specifics in there you have seen it unfold. Um, no, because how much do I get into this? <laughs> um, there is so, like, for instance, Dreamscape. If I would never, I would have edited that song because of that relationship. Maybe I would have thought, oh, maybe I won't put this out because that didn't work out but that was a really special time to me and when that song was written I I was really that's how I felt and that's why that song resonates with people so I didn't I didn't edit it and now when we we did that at Six Music Festival and people loved it um, (laughs) big himself up people really liked it and connected with it but it's like it's because it's honest and there are some really honest lyrics and giving up for beginners but no I think I've, I've said this at the start like I think being honest is the most important thing and like I wrote a song recently, or a poem, um, Restless Leg Syndrome, that was like a one-off thing, and it was on Bandcamp. I'm probably going to save for something. And there was 
a lyric in there that like I literally pulled my car over to write it because I thought if I lose that, I can't lose that. <clears throat> and it was like, um, if I wait another 10 years to have children, then I'll never meet my grandkids. Not sure that's something I'm completely fine with. I have no idea where that came from. It just smashed me in the face and I was driving a car. <laughs> I pulled over and I was like, where does, I was just in like, where did these things come from? Um, and where do we put them as well? And where do we put them? And who are they for? And are they for us? Are they for other people? And, I think if you get one of those like moments or one of those gut punch lyrics, then I personally believe it's for you should put it out because someone will. It's like oversharing, and, and someone will connect to it in a little way. Um, but yeah, it's funny where they come from because that that I wasn't tr- thinking about writing or I was thinking about anything, and it came out rhyming, came out in my head rhyming. It's like having a dream of a song in it, and it's like very rarely happens. But like that came out sort of fully formed, and I pulled the car over, and I was like quite upset. <laughs> That was quite upsetting. To was it one of them? Was it like a muscle memory thing? Were you driving down some place that you associate with? I was really hungover. Like, so I think I'm, I was like half my brain had switched off, and then the other half, you know, brought brought that out from somewhere, and this probably comes from all sorts of stuff, doesn't it? Me dad and, <laughs> but they're the best lyrics, I think. And I, and then I, I I kind of put that away for a little bit, and I'll probably come back to that next year when it's time for the album, and and maybe that gets in there. And maybe I've got a child by then. <laughs> Do you know what? I was thinking, I was like, we're, 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 we're close to that now. Yeah. But also, but maybe maybe it doesn't happen, and maybe that's okay. And and you, you can't, you don't, you don't know how your life's going to go. I wouldn't have known this was going to happen. And, you know, maybe that's fine if that doesn't happen. And I think I used to really dread that. I used to really <laughs> to plug older stuff that doesn't exist anymore. But the novel that I wrote, uh, Albatross, Albatross Point. No, there's like copies of it and stuff. It might exist in the future. Right. I'll table that in a little bit. Um, but that that like if you I, the like whole third act of that thing is about being scared of not being able to have my own children. Mm. I'm like, where the hell did that come from? But now I've gotten away from that because I've taught for so long and I work with young people who I've forged genuine connections with. Mm. So I would be fine adopting. I would be privileged and proud to adopt so i'm not scared anymore i guess of that <laughs> yeah no that's really interesting because similarly i've never met my dad um i'm, I'm kind of going through that now you're saying you're over that you've forged relationships with kids you've taught and stuff and i've never met my dad i've been fine with that for a lot of my life but i've had periods where i've struggled with that and very recently, I've been, this year, actually, January, I, uh, my partner got um, Ancestry DNA for her, for herself because uh, she's a quarter Pakistani. <clears throat> and um, she did that, and I just had the itch to look for my dad online, and I found out that he died in 2017. Oh, my God. So that's been, I'm okay with that now because it's not a loss if you never had it. You know, I've, I've, I've got to that point. Yeah. But it's brought up all these like things because i've always been like i'm fine not having kids i'm not maternal you know i i'm gay so i've got a girlfriend and i've always said i'd be very happy to adopt you know why bring more kids into this world when the state that it's in and there's plenty here who've lost everything and would love a new family and all these things but now i'm just scared of having children so so i'm kind of going through that in a minute so it's a bit yeah it's refreshing hearing that you've been there and have come out of the other end I yeah that's what i wanted to say that's that's nice i guess some uh, something from that I, I think i always had this little rage in me where 
I thought I was going to go and knock on my dad's door. I always knew where he lived. And I thought I'd knock on and be like, what are you doing, man? You, why did you do all this horrible shit? And then I thought I'd get answers for it all. And then he died. So that's the other thing. You never gonna, you don't get the answers. But to be fair, I went to, we went to his funeral. He had six kids. And at the funeral, I can't even say this on a podcast. It was super private stuff. But uh, the funeral, me and my brother went. And the priest was like, Stephen had two children. And just mentioned the last two. And we were like, oh, no one knows who we are. And we were really shocked at the funeral. Because we were like, why is everyone looking at us like we're ghosts? Um, and we went, obviously, out of like, I thought I might regret not going to my own dad's funeral, but we didn't. We were just not even mentioned at the thing, and we then it re- we realized like, all oh, right, we were like a massive like family secret. We've never known because we had no context for it. Um, so it's funny, like, yeah, I think you know you'll just juggle. We all just that's just something that you'll just balance, and it's never had a detrimental effect on me. I it really, it, it honestly hasn't. I've like gone through that in my head, and you know. I've said this a few times, especially now having to talk through the songs and the work and my poetry and my music. Like, I had a really great childhood. I had a really loving, beautiful childhood, and it was easy because my mum was so good and my mum protected me. So it was easy. And remains a massive support. Yeah, massive support and a massive influence and a massive, you know, drive. And this, um, I won't go too far because this is when I got upset doing it on Six Music when I was on the fucking stage. And I, my mum was there, and I started talking about my mum, and it was like super overwhelming. I was like, fuck it out. I'm going to cry on national television. <laughs> it's not come <laughs> out yet. So yeah, no, yeah. It's quite a big stage to cry on. I've been talking about crying a lot recently, but maybe that's my thing. Maybe the next one's uh, poems to cry to. <laughs> maybe. But I think it's important it to talk so about that. It, and, and vital, important stuff comes out of it. Because you wrote a poem, I mean, ages, not ages ago, a little while ago, um, My Father Was an Athlete. Oh, so yeah. good that you when you did that at your you did that at your book launch. Yeah. Yeah. I was blown away by that poem. Obviously now you would probably know why, but such a, like yeah, the humor of that and like the darkness of it. But it's so well. I didn't even write it to be funny, but I can see in retrospect how. Do you, how it's, do you know what I mean? Like a, little, like some yeah, gallows yeah, yeah, humor. Yeah, absolutely. Because so for good. a long time, that is the only thing I knew about my dad. Yeah. Is that well, I knew his name because it's on my passport, on my birth certificate, but. The only thing I knew is that he played second division football in Lisbon for Benfica Sporting, and that's all I knew. So that's when I when I'm trying to like write about it. That's 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 the only thing that came out. But um, similar like you, my mum is a superstar and a superhero and has been throughout my life. We've struggled, obviously, but um, that's nothing to do with her being a single mum. That's just exactly yeah. The she she gave us everything we needed and and. All yeah. the love in the world, so yeah, she's big up all the mums out there. Big up Anne. What's your what's your mum's Big name? up Annabella. Oh, oh! is this the uh, is this podcast gold? <laughs> <laughs> That's nice. It's, it's yeah, it's a fascinating conversation, and so Scooby's tip on his podcast is this idea of finding the right mediums for things, mm-hmm. right? And I think we're all people who've got various fingers in various pies. But part of the reason why I wanted to start this with you is that I know that you are brilliant at having a conversation. And I think what's just happened there is the right medium for this to exist in. Mm. Yeah, I think so. This is a piece of art, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And you being so open, both of you, in talking about that is something that is really difficult to break down into a few-minute conversation. 
Yes, of course, of course. And there's nuance to it, isn't there? And there's also like the nuance in, you know, being a live recording and, mm. and being honest and, hes- and hesitant about saying things and stuff like that. Because you do, we edit ourselves too much, don't we? I think, as I've just said, it's quite the honest. The honest thing is like, yeah, just saying it. I don't mind. Like I say, I'm not who I am. It's fine. I don't care. I'm a professional oversharer. So are you. So are you. And it goes That's back what to what you said about. Um, having to be honest and real and raw yeah. you know what i mean like but it's so in terms of it's, it's i think it's just everything it's the heart of everything your relationships your everything fucking sex everything yeah. it's got to be honest so there's no point in doing it yeah um it's like that's it that's that's how you have good relationships that's how you're happy be honest with yourself be honest with other people be honest in your in your work in your relationships and then you'll be you'll be fine Everything else is like born of insecurities, isn't it? And jealousies and rivalries and everything. It's insecurities and it's people, but it's all sorts. All the shit is from not being honest, I think. Saying that, don't just go into a shop and be like, I fucking hate you. <laughs> but yeah, there's a, there's a real problem with the shopkeeper. <laughs> yeah, bloody Tesco Express down here. Nightmare. <laughs> we have to get funnier, aren't we? We are. I think we're going to hit a topic that's going gonna, that's gonna to be good for that. Though. Maybe you're going to talk about it really. <laughs> Dower, uh, I'm actually very happy at the moment, but I think I'm just in a re- very, yeah, I genuinely am. I think I'm just in a very reflective period. You've caught me at the end of like a very reflective period of time. Yeah, the right time, yeah. I'm feeling very reflective. Tell you what's good, I haven't said yet. I met my favourite ever poet in real life. I went for a, a cup of tea with him in London. Who's that? Joe Dunthorne. He wrote Submarine. Amazing. Yeah, and I've loved him for years and years and years. What that about? I messaged him on Twitter. Really? Yeah. I followed him on Twitter. I have for years and he followed me back and we got talking and I, I sent him a collection years ago and some work um, and he was really kind about it actually. He can't remember it. He was really kind about it and then he'd seen that stuff was going well and we were chatting again and then basically, <laughs> no, yeah, I, I had reached out to be fair <laughs> um, and I sort of said, he's just, you know, oh, oh if, you, if you're ever in London, blah, blah. And then I was, I was on round table with, with a Lamo. And I was like, I'm free on the Friday. Should we should we do something? I went for a cup of tea, and it was it was amazing. It's so nice like meeting another poet. But that was, he's like a full poet, you know. He's like going to pick his kids up. We had a cup of tea. I've read all his work, his novels, his novellas, his, and I'm just like felt like such an unachievable person to know. Mm. He was so lovely. Um, he was saying like he has like a weekly writers group and all this sort of stuff. I'm like, oh, it's so doable. Like he's just like a normal guy, and he was like, "Yeah, it's, that was that was a big that's, full circle that's moment." That's the exact same experience of these people going out with you. Like, you know yeah, I mean? that's that's hard to fathom, isn't it? And then I'm still like at a bit where I'm like, just find it all weird. So I like I like send some uh, people like message that I don't know, and I like send them a voice note back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're yeah. like, "What the fuck?" They like go mad, and I'm like, I'm "You don't know how much there. that will make someone's day." And I'm like, literally just sat there, and I'm like, "Oh, thank you, like for listening. Hopefully, see you at a gig or whatever." I'm just like sat there, and it's like a thirty second voice note, and people like lose their mind. It's crazy. Um, it's so much weirdness because that, like, even like you were saying on the, when we was on the way, oh, fuck, I'm all gonna walk away from the fact we've known you for five years. You've been mates. Yeah, true. You know what I mean? but You're always late. It always people. Yeah, well, that's the truth. It's always late. Like, yeah, it might as well. I'd said six, but I knew it was going to be half six. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It does. It yeah. people's perceptions of you in a way that has, shouldn't. Has your perception of me changed? Not, no, no. Okay. Not as a person. Yeah. But like, I, like my mate at work mm-hmm. knows who you are. 
and so inextricably that is different yeah okay not through teaching or anything no, through the music fuck me and like i'd mentioned about you one time previously and they were like oh yeah yeah, yeah i know him but like, do you know what I mean? yeah like, that's quite weird <laughs> yeah you don't know him <laughs> yeah yeah i li- actually do know him <laughs> um, i was not always thinking about sriracha yeah, yeah. he's actually a sad little man <laughs> yeah i actually just really like that song very much no it's fine i do like it it's a joke yeah 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 i've been a big hot sauce bottle See, that's funny. Yeah, let's bring some humour back into it. Do you know what? Let's talk video. <laughs> oh, you like this sort of stuff, though, don't you? You're big into your films. He's, uh, just for the for the listener, he's wearing a full A24 tracksuit and an A24 cap, and he's got a flag that says A24 on it. That's what he's wearing at the moment. Uh, yeah, I've seen the cap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's actually what he's wearing, and he, he's actually taking his pants off as well at the moment, which is really an odd move in my house. <laughs> The video for Sriracha did. Um, so you, did you come up with the concept of that? Did you was? Yeah, I think that was a bit of. I don't even know. To be fair, were you signed at this point? No, 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 no. no, no. That was before anything had happened. That was before any. I think we'd had Dreamscape played on the radio once, and I thought that was it. And I was just asking about. I genuinely was just asking about. Got a big Sriracha costume. Thought it'd be. A re- I did. To be fair, I'm not daft. Although I do, I you know I'm talking about yeah. I knew that it was a really good visual hook and I knew that it would get people interested. And it did, to be fair. Just the idea of it, I think with it being in Manchester and the Sriracha costume and the song being catchy, that was the first time I got the attention of like, you know, like the man cordio and stuff like that. And it was quite organic, but I did know. I was like, this will, people will get onto this. It kind of clicked, yeah, for sure, for for that one. I knew it was a marketing thing, I think. The song came first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Way before. Yeah, which you do see people doing now, especially like the TikTok era. And there's a um, there's a few um, pop stars that you hear, and they, I'm like, all oh, right, you you've made the song. F- yeah, God, don't get me started on that shit. There's some that are good though. You know, I'm like big. I love pop music. I listen to Radio One in the car, um, six at home, obviously, um, which I've said millions of times. But yeah, I think there's. But you, you do see where people like have that concept. There's like Mimi Webb. I think has got a song called like Red Flags, and it's like this is clearly going to be a hit because it's like how people speak now. It's like, is it Panic Shack? There's a band Panic Shack. They've got a song called The Ick. Yeah, yeah, Very yeah. clever because everyone, that's really on. It's like Love, love yeah. Island catchphrases, isn't it? Like, yeah, it is. Getting The Ick and, and, like, and, and, and Red Flag. Yeah, and it's finding something that everyone can sort of like jump on board with and do it in a clever way and that's kind of what I wanted to do with Sriracha. It's funny Sriracha, I, was, I did a podcast yesterday actually for with um, Student Radio Network. What was the girl called? Flory. She was called Flory uh, who I did the interview with. She was like, oh, she really likes Sriracha and she listens. It's a really happy song. And I was like, oh, it's about a toxic relationship. <laughs> she was like, what? I was like, yeah, it's about being obsessed with someone and it being really bad and you shouldn't be. It's like the whole like bit, it's like silly, like jokey lyrics, but I always like to have like a secondary level in a song for me, really. Um, and that's what it is in that one. It's like about a toxic relationship. Just in case anyone's like, oh, he writes shit songs about hot sauce. I'm like, no, it's actually about a toxic relationship. That's, that's really funny because when we first came out, I spent like the first week singing it back to my girlfriend. <laughs> walking around the flat like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's nice to hear. But yeah, um, yeah, it's not, it's not actually. It's like what, what are the, there's like the, there's loads of like toxic masculinity stuff in there as well. Like I don't need a glass of water. I can take it. I'm a man. Yeah. People like, flinch at that a bit but I'm like I'm not bragging it's supposed to be on, on the nose like it's about being a toxic yeah, cunt yeah, yeah, yeah. I said cunt on the podcast don't, don't that's it. mint isn't it yeah, sure you're not. You're not a baby. yeah. Um, do you know 
have through these conversations. But obviously, we talk stand up with Dave Hicks. Yeah. And he's got a piece about killing ducks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> he, he said this woman just <laughs> lost her mind. Yeah. Because she was like, I've got this. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so listen, so listen to this for a horrible one. Um, you've heard me do, both of you, I think you've heard me do Earl Grey, the poem. Yeah. Right? It's about pushing fucking forward. It's about. It's a, it's a political poem. It's the only political one I've got. It mentions my dad. It mentions loads of different stuff. But you've got the, there's the there's the bit. Um, but now we choose our own pronouns. A hundred miles per hour. People telling us to slow down. Right. Once people hear the word pronouns, they're like, "What the fuck are you trying to say?" And yeah. I had someone the other day that was like, "What what the fuck do you mean by that?" And I was like, "Listen in to a, it." In a negative way. Yeah. Thought I was like slagging people off and like, oh, people choosing pronouns is fucking stupid. Do you know what's fascinating? I'm like, that is mental. That like, I'm, cele- I'm very specifically celebrating this part of like, yeah. um, area. It, it was, it was that was mad to hear. I was, and I was really embarrassed. And then, um, I was like, fucking hell, do I stop doing that? I do it in the show, yeah. um, and all the music drops out. And I do the poem, and it's quiet to a quiet room. I do it as a poem. And I'm like, fucking hell, there are people misconstruing this every single time. So it really panicked me a little bit. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering why everyone had bald heads at the back. <laughs> yeah, I had a conversation about this. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> See? No, I had a conversation about this with my partner last night after Natter because we had a comedian on um, who made some jokes oh, about... He did mention pronouns, and he made uh, uh, some jokes about stereotypes. Right. But then, at so the uh, end, he very uh, clearly... Middle Eastern comedian, I think it's important to point Yeah, Middle Eastern comedian, um, and he, he he made a few jokes about female stereotypes and stuff. Right. But it, w- it was part of the joke. The joke is, it's ridiculous that people feel this way and still think this way today. Yeah, um, okay, great. But not everyone gets that. And, and my partner got home and was like, oh, do you think that joke was a bit... And I was like, but that's the that was the I point know, of the and joke. Be, and, and do you know what? And also, it's really... It's fucking hard work, that sort of stuff. It really is. And I don't want anyone to feel like they're having... You know, they're being called out or made... You know, and they feel like bad about something. Mm. Comedy, it must be the hardest thing to do at the moment. I saw someone up at like, King's... I think you might have been there. Like, comedy night at the King's Arms. Oh, yeah. I think we were watching Brogan, maybe. And someone came out at the end and he was like a really good comedian. And... It, w- it was to like a you know, it's the King's Arms, the young progressive crowd, yeah. and he did some jokes and and the jokes were, they were on our side, but because he was saying words like mm. pronouns mm. or, or mm. trans, he was saying these words, and no one was listening. They just heard it and were like, "How the f- how fucking dare you say that?" Mm. And I'm like, "You've not." Li- he's on your side, and I was watching this guy fucking die on his ass, and through no fault of his own. Um, oh, so that is tough, isn't it? It is so tough. Yeah. To what extent does it matter about picking your battles, though, picking your audience and and, and what you look... Because I... So, when you've done Earl Grey, yeah. poetry gigs, you never got that reaction. Never. Nah, good point. And that's because you've turned up to a poetry night. Yeah, it wouldn't do that. And, and <laughs> it's not it mental. Do that, yeah, 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 yeah. And also, perhaps... So, I think... <laughs> this is a fucking very stalker's point. The way you've dressed has changed slightly. Now? Yeah. I'm in his pyjamas. No, no, like... Weeks! Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I'm more like joggers. I try and be smarter. Yeah, 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 maybe, yeah. See, again, that's that's being more comfortable with my own skin, I think. But I wonder if now you're presenting as more like... Yeah. Yeah, maybe. People, like... 
And people think I'm younger than obviously. People really think I'm like 23. Look young, yeah, people think I'm 23. You comfortable with that? No, I, d- I don't know. When's the last time you got ID? All the time. Yeah. Nah, I haven't been ID that much. It's all I've got sad eyes. <laughs> um, I get ID'd all the time. Yeah, I've got sad eyes. Do you as well? Yeah. yeah, all the time. It's wild. I got ID'd for some, uh, for some painkillers, like, <laughs> last month. Yeah. Mad. And oh. I went, uh, w- the cafe I work at got robbed, and we needed some new knives, like, desperately, because they took the knives, which yeah. is... A different story. But I had to run across the road to Morrison's to pick up some knives so we could prep for the day. And I didn't bring my wallet to work because I didn't drive that day and it was in the car. And they wouldn't sell me the knives. And I was like, but I was born in 1991. And it was like, no. <laughs> it was yeah. like, yeah, no, you don't look it. And I was just like, yeah. So it's, but I get that. Yeah, I get that quite often. Yeah. It's mad that most, there's like, Look, most bouncers now who ID me are younger than me, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is weird. I never thought I'd get to that age. You are still looking so fresh. What's your secret? Moisturizer. <laughs> having rampant eczema and having to moisturize 70 times a day, probably. <laughs> having a chronic skin condition, I think, is the answer. Good advice. Good advice. Yeah, mate, get, yourself, get yourself some eczema. <laughs> Get yourself some eczema, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've done Ventolin. That's gone. That's been shot in the garden. Gone. Don't exist anymore. Is it? Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. Oh, I like you that. See? Show. Didn't notice, did you? Do you know why? Because no one was streaming it. And I, I watched. Oh, you all love it. I'm sure you all liked it. But it's gone <laughs> because <that's> seven people <laughs> listen to it a day. So it's gone. Deleted. The video's still up. You can still. It's fine. Really? Well, I'd, I've got rid of it because I didn't like it. Oh, okay. It didn't fit anywhere. Oh, no, 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 that definitely wasn't. And the label wouldn't do that anyway. Okay. The la- it's still my choice. The- everything's still my choice. It's when a label invests or management invests or PR or whatever, it's artist-facing. So it's it's an agreement that you're going to keep working exactly as hard as you've been doing. The, uh, the only thing that's changed is I'll sometimes get a bit of a nudge in terms of maybe don't say that or maybe don't do that. That's it. All of the art and all of the lyrics... And all of the music and the direction of everything is still me. Because what they're doing is investing in you and going like, well, you've got it this far, so here's a bit of money to keep going. That's what it is. And that's that's my understanding of it. Um, and the only thing with things being like held back is just like business sense, really. It's like this only needs one more track on it. So you don't spaff all your songs out because what if you haven't got any in six months? And I'm like, oh, always write. I'm always going to be writing the best songs ever. And they're like, you might not be. So be careful. So that's the, that's that sort of label advice sort of stuff. It's really good. It feels I feel very supported and like believed in, which is really really nice from like lots of different people. And to be fair, I think once you get to a certain, so obviously I had management on board for, you know, like maybe since like the middle of last year, and all these other little bits have, have, have crept in. Lawyer was first, management, PR, um, and then the big one was getting an agent. That was really good. I wanted to get into this. Can you talk a little bit about your journey into that? Yeah. I'm sort of learning it now in terms of I was super suspicious. For, right, for instance, last May was the fit when I met Tom, who's my lawyer, and he kept emailing me and saying, <laughs> quite tight on poor Tom, so that he kept emailing me. He emailed me a few times and was like, you know, have you got a lawyer? And I was like, I don't need, what do I need a lawyer for? This is ridiculous. Turns out you do definitely need a lawyer because you can't sign any contract without having a lawyer. It's a legal requirement can't sign a contract for a label or whatever so i met him ended up having him on board and he was really knowledgeable and knew a lot of stuff and um, and that was kind of how i ended up meeting mike and chris who are my management they work for a company they are a company that's the company it's them too called underplay 
So they were on as radio pluggers for a little while, which they were helping with radio. I'd already had the thing with Hitchhiker and with Lauren, so it was quite... They had an easy job. <laughs> well, we don't want to say that on record because they are constantly working very, very hard. Um, yeah, uh, but my manager, my manager was different then. My manager was uh, someone called Nicole Hood, my friend Nicole Hood, who booked us for a gig in London. And then in January, we had to, we, we met Mike and Chris took over as management because basically Nicole works in TV and we just didn't have the time. Maybe that was a really like not nice decision to have to make, but you know we're still friends and, and it, that was a really weird industry little thing. Um, the big thing was that so getting an agent. So my agent is um, with primary talent called Will, and he he that's all out of my hands. Gigs and stuff is all out of my hands. So he books everything, and then I just get an email and he's like, "Can you do this? Can the band do this?" So that's the dream. That's why I always wanted to get to, really. And that's that's the bit they always wanted to get to. Um, and that that's a, the big shift. That's the big change. And then you are like in contracts, and you've got to like do the show. If I dropped out of like Lost Village, I'd got to, yeah, be, you'd be in trouble. How do you balance that with having three members of band who have three of their day jobs? You can control your job to a certain extent. Yeah. Well, luckily, the festival season they're all the weekend. Yeah. Um, we're in, in like an agreement, I guess, where I get, you know, they're not faceless musicians in the band. Like they have bits in the gig and they're they're introduced and, you know, they have very big parts and I, I do it with them. But I guess ultimately, like, it's my project and their session musicians, which is a, a weird thing to sort of say. And um, Robin, maybe not so much, because Robin has uh, a big hand in the production of some of the songs. Um and yeah, Martin and Tom are like along for the ride, which is quite nice for them, I guess, because they're just like, can you be here at this weekend? Yeah, here's 250 quid to come and do it, and let's go and do it, and they have a great time. Whereas I'm, you know... Tom's got his little solo section in charge. Yeah, he does. He has mango mood when he does it. But I'm doing a lot. Like, I, I'm, you know, I, I do my day job, and then I come home, and I'll do, most days, I'll do like an interview, and I'll have a meeting, and I'll have to go and write something, or I'll go to the studio, which is a bit more frequent now, with Louis, who did Rock and a Calm Places around the corner. Lots. There's a lot. There is a lot. And it's a lot of emails back and forth, and can we do this? Can we schedule this in? Can you send this over? You know, it's a lot. It's a real team effort. And that's probably a good thing to sort of put out in, if people don't really know, like, any artist or solo artist who's out there and doing bits, it's like 20 people. It's 20 people. And, and you know, I've, there's people I've not even mentioned. Sarah, my PR, um, you know, she is incredible. I'm really, really supportive. She works with Arlo Parks. I'm like, skin out. <laughs> She's lovely. Uh, so, yeah. Maybe. <laughs> I, sent, um, I sent Arlo Parks a voice note on yeah. Sunday after the gig. So I can, that was nice. I got to do things yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, it's very... It's been a weird time, and it is hard to understand. And I think the team's locked in. Once Mike and Chris came on as management, um, was in January we were locked in, and then we had this really stressful t- time, which was January to March to get the EP out, and everything was moving towards Six Music Festival, and the EP launch and the London show. And now we're kind of at the other end of that, and I'm sort of trying to take stock of it because I've just been absolutely hammering myself for three months. I've not seen anyone. Yeah. I don't socialise, <laughs> and it's been a lot. Um, and now I'm like out the other end, and it's just like. It's a few gigs a month. We've obviously we've never toured before. We've got a lot of things to do, so I don't really know much about it. But I guess the step. So I've had this is what's funny as well. I've had I do have people messaging me now most days that we you probably know of or whatever, mm. asking for like advice and like 
you know, who's your management? How did you find this person? How did you get this on Six Music? How did you do this? The, the only, t- and this is actually really hard at the moment, and it's only just starting. And, you know, there's a lot of, I can't do everything anymore. And I also can't even reply to people as much. I'm not saying I'm a fucking Billy Big Bollocks and everyone wants a bit of me, but it's just in terms of time and like w- at work and coming back, I've got more to reply to, got more people to speak to. And then if I'm, I missed, I, it's not my personality and I'll miss a text and I'll miss a message. And I feel fucking well bad about it. And then I know within six months, and this is a really horrible thing to say on a podcast or whatever. In six months, I know that there'll be some people who I'm friends with who'll go, he's an asshole now. Because I just think that's the path. I think there's no way out of it. I think it's a fucking good job I'm 32 and I've already got friends. Because I, I know for a fact in a year, they'll go, I don't even reply to me anymore. But I'm like, I physically can't. And I've already had, just because of the last few weeks, you know, friends I don't, I've not seen for three years. Hey, man, it'd be great to go and catch, get up for a coffee. I'm like, I don't even see my close friends. So I can't. And I can't. And how legit is that? Yeah, and I can't do everything. Yeah. And it's, I've not spoke to you for three years, mate. Yeah. I'm not going to go for a pint with you. And it's, there's a reason that that's there. And I'll be the knob. I'll be the knob in their workplace. Oh, actually, the knobhead, though. He's actually a dickhead. I asked him for a pint, and he's fucking too big for me, now, blah, blah, blah. But there's 200 people saying that. And after a gig, when I said I can't enjoy the bit after the gig, everyone's got, 100 people have come down and bought a ticket. They all are in Manchester, 50 of them know me. And they all think, oh, well, we'll go out with them after. Yeah. All 50 of them do. Yeah. So where do I go? And how can I be everything to everyone? So what you've got to do is just go and leave. And everyone's like, oh, he's fucking knobhead. Like, he's gone to, oh, he's gone out with that person. He's gone and done this. He's, he's too big for us now. And it's like, I can't leave with anyone. So that's why I, I guess where it gets, where it gets lonely late, later on. And I know how Drake feels. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe people have that on your Twitter. 21, 21. <laughs> yeah, I would love that. Yeah, we've gotten down some, you've really, really got me a good time, I feel. Apparently, <laughs> I think it's because we're such, we're, we're such good at it. Well, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to get in trouble when this gets released. I've not said anything to you, but have I? No. Just more no, about my We'll emotions. edit everything out nicely. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I'm conscious for time because obviously you don't yeah. want to cut off too much things. So I just two things I want to touch. Yeah, eight o'clock. When did we start recording it? We were on for an hour. Oh shit! Yeah, we're on for an hour and twenty. You've so got to do the bits, haven't we? Um, just two little bits that I want to touch on. One of them is how I'm a big editor, a big drafter. You know, I'm, I can't leave things alone. So I'm interested to know that kind of thing, like about you, about your writing. How how much do you edit stuff? How much? How how yeah. do you? How is your process in that aspect? I, it changes for different things, different songs, different poems. So, actually, this is an annoying thing to say because I believe editing is is the writing. Really, the editing is the writing in a lot of ways, and a lot of there's a lot of things I I guess we'll get to that in a minute. But there's a lot of things I wish I would have edited more and would have just like thrown out. But I also think that my most popular song, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Fallacy, is good because I didn't really edit it. And that the point of that song is that it's like stream of consciousness. And the point of it is that it tumbles out. And it's a little more crafted than I think people think it is. But it sounds like we just went in the studio and did it in a rush. And we did. And that's the truth with that one. But with music as well, your editing is part of your delivery as well, right? Yeah. Oh, who was it? it was Robin who told me this. I think it was Robin. It was K Tempest on their most recent album, I think. And they did three takes for every song, yes. and it was yeah, yeah, yeah. it was like performing it to the mum, a child, and a friend or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. I love that. And then they cut together in a different way for you to come I love that. Yeah. I think about that a lot. They did the whole album back to front as well. 
Yeah, that's good. It's like um, when I was writing the novels years back, nearly like what, eight years ago, my second draft of Albatross Point's a massive, <laughs> it's not, it doesn't exist, Albatross Point it was called. And the second when I came to the second draft of it, I was too familiar with everyone. So I changed all of the characters' names in the second draft. And then they were all different people. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I could see them from an objective point of view. So there's a, a way of doing that and like, Killing your darlings, as we've said before. I'm sure that will come up a lot, actually, on this podcast as you carry on doing it as a phrase. Could have even called it. Is there a podcast called Kill Your Darlings? There must be. <laughs> there must be. Um, but I'm, like, writing a tune, actually, with Robin at the minute, which I feel is a good one. Um, and I had this re- I've had i got this really good hook, a chorus. It's really good, but it doesn't belong in the song. So it's gone, I think. And it, you've... Uh, yeah, and I think well, then you start to do that, and I think yeah. our instinct is that you don't need a chorus, a bit like a hitchhiker, yeah. but it is like knock, like getting rid of those things. I've like thought of written fucking classics before, and it's just just don't go anywhere or whatever. How much or how has writing changed with a partner? Because you started off novel, just me, you poetry. That's you and the foul. Yeah, yeah, I think. Uh, Louis. Yeah, Louis. We write it. We've written a few other tunes actually, me and Louis as well. Me and Robin are working on some more. It's I've given up a bit of control in a nice way. When I first was doing it, I was like, because I wrote like the melody of working classic and all of that's me really in terms of the writing of the music. Obviously, Robin then went on to produce it and sort of polish it up. But all of the components are me on that tune, and that's what only one of the only, a lot of giving up for beginners is like that. You know, the melodies are all there. And I'm like, well, I can do it, so I should do it. But I've kind of relinquished control a little bit. I'm like, everyone, that's not my job, almost. I can, I'm can. the words guy, um, and I, I'm trying to relinquish control. I think when it comes to album time, I'll try and do a few more bits where I'm, like, writing. All the melodies are me, but I've got a brother who lives with me who plays guitar, so, like, why can't he write a guitar line or whatever and have 10% on PRS or I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah, 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 yeah. Illegal Gene. The picture was there. You can see us there. Yeah, it's me and Steve. Um, Steve Lancaster. Night Terrors Poetry. So he's the only he's the only different. So Robin replaced Steve really. So he played drums and they're like a old covers band. We did Overload the Sugar Babes song. So it's been around for years. We did we did Overload in that band and it was a really niche song then. And now they're like back, and now it's almost like we're covering like a current song. But it's like we've been doing that cover for like four years, yeah. um, maybe not four years. Yeah, maybe four years, maybe four years. So it's always been about doing daft covers and stuff like that. Yeah, don't know. It's, it's different writing with someone, isn't it? It's definitely different. But I'm really protective over the words. Like if Robin suggests like one change of the word, I'm like, no, right. it's not mine anymore. When we did the project, <laughs> there was a couple of bits where like I did some of the stuff that you've written, and you did a couple. Of yeah, things. that was good, wasn't it? Which is fun to put yourself into. Yeah, what's the tune? What tune is it? It's not, it's Last first late. This is like a first yeah. yeah. Doesn't Craig Charles get mentioned in that? Yeah, That's weird, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's your words. Oh, fuck, yeah, you're right. That is, that is bizarre. That is bizarre, because that was pre that, and you yeah. said it, yeah, and yeah. you did a lyric about Craig Charles, and then it was way before that. Yeah, right. How weird's that? That is mad. I thought that the other day. Yeah, yeah so that was what, written in the stars there. Yeah. But yeah. That's it. I think editing is important, basically, is what I'm saying. But then, also, don't over-edit everything. When, when, 
there's like a tune it's like when we were on round table the other day we we're like the song that won it this hack baker tune telephones for eyes and it just sounds like he's like falling into a studio and like screamed loads of words he's like out of breath and it's so good because it just sounds like it's just happened and it probably didn't but to make it sound like it's not been edited is probably the key my first experience of hitchhikers was with the video i think yeah he shot that in lisbon right yeah the, like, the little sort of yeah, reels. yeah 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 yeah. it was in lisbon yeah 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 yeah, yeah. and yeah i i, I really love that <laughs> Uh, I think because of the visual, I didn't get that rush thing. But maybe if I listen to it just on my headphones now in silence without anything. Yeah, and I think it's a funny one in terms of like the recording and, and that. I mean, we lit. So the actual story of that is, Craig Charles had played Dreamscape twice, and then I got another email and said that they were going to play Dreamscape for World Poetry Day, and I said, "Fuck knows where I got the confidence to say it." I said, "Wait two days, I've got another song," and Helen said that doesn't mean we'll play it. She was like, if he doesn't like it, we won't play it. And I was like, right, just give me it like, a second. And we went to the studio the day after and recorded Hitchhiker and sent it. And they played it. And so that is ha- sometimes having that belief in it. And I knew it was good. And I knew it was just a poem. No, we didn't. No, there's the actual one. <laughs> we didn't mix them. I don't think we mixed our master. Yeah. They even like properly mix our master it, really. The vocals are too loud, isn't it? Not so to ruin it for everyone. Really no, nah, the vocals are too loud, isn't it? Did any of the stuff get changed when you... Mm, no, no. No. They're all as is. Yeah. It's a mixtape, I think, is what we're calling it. Yeah. And I think they'll all... But yeah, it's funny how things work out. It's funny how things work out. Um, and you know, that song's got like, lots of really specific lines and specific lyrics that like mean different things to different people, but like to me, mean really specific things. Like, I'm still a teacher, so I really shouldn't really say shit like this, but like, do you think this counts as one of my five a day is about magic mushrooms? And like to loads of other people, that probably just means like, a, a, yeah, a con- like he's commenting on capitalism, yeah. and it's not. It's just me being like someone <laughs> in the back, back of a taxi offered me some mushies, <laughs> and I said, "Do you think this counts as one of my five a day?" <laughs> Genuinely. Do you have a different writing process for writing poems? Like you say, you write poetry still every day, most days, mm-hmm. which is amazing. Um, <laughs> But does does your writing the process change a lot between you, when you sit down and you know you're writing a poem, or when you're writing your your songs, which are yeah. poems themselves in a way? Yeah. Now both of the they're they're um the the songs are words first, so they're all they all start as a poem. They all all start of them, poems. all of them start as a poem, and even if they end up with a hook, or a chorus, or sometimes the music changes the poem, then and it will change the flow, and I'm like, oh, I can't fit all of that line into they're always well wordy and then i have to like f- knock three or four really important words out which i always hate um and make them a bit more simple but they're always starting as words they're always they're always a poem first um which i don't think everyone does really and that's i think why i still describe myself as a poet uh, because it, it, i'm never it's never like a, a melody in my head that i'm humming rarely is it a melody that i'm humming then i'm like right i'm gonna put some words to it it's usually the way around it's like how can I find something in the music that's gonna bring something out of these words that wasn't like wasn't there before? Yeah, you know. I think the title for that EP is so apt because, like, if you listen to it, like, they're, to me, the poems and they've, yeah. got, they've got music to them. Yeah. Like, so yeah, I was just interested in that. So I guess you will write a, you'll write a poem and then you let it down to the music. If, like you say, if a word doesn't fit or if you have to. Yeah, yeah, and that's that is that you said it into the music, which is actually as a poet. You know, that's not really a nice feeling because you're like, oh, I'm fucking ruining this poem here. 
Um, so that isn't always the best thing, like having to get through this with the important words. But yeah, I think they'll always stay. I think I've figured it out now. I think in terms of like my voice or whatever, it is. I, I've learned that I can just like because it isn't just my speaking voice. It's it's a slightly slightly exaggerated version of my speaking voice, yeah. and it's like a slightly lazier, a slightly more. Deli- I'm starting to do it now. You know, it's like more of a drawl, and I'm like, so it, it kind of is like in a rhythm, but I think people just think that's exactly how I talk. Well, you're a lyrical poet, like you know. Yeah. Before I heard any of your tunes, I heard your poetry, like I said earlier on, and I do feel like you're a lyrical poet anyway. Like, yeah, you write, you write very lyrically, and you can do that even without ever putting music to your poems, I suppose. Cause well, I think you were saying, you know, what's the difference between the poetry I write and like the songs that I write, and I like I still like I still write poems every day, and there's loads that are just they're page poems so they can't put them anywhere yeah loads that I really love that are page poems and you know hopefully they find a home at some point um because I would love to do that I still want to do that I still want to like put a book of poetry out yeah. I think I think we're heading we're well past yeah. the hour, Matt. I think we're heading to that leads on very nicely Will just fell asleep Will fell asleep for 20 minutes and <laughs> he, just woke, he just woke up the lack of David to draw yeah man that's what they say so here it is then oh yeah what is the one thing in your life or your career, if you could go back and scribble out a redraft, you would change? I didn't realise it was as deep as, like, your life. <laughs> life or career, and all. Oh, God. That's really difficult. I find that career is probably easier to answer. <laughs> the career one, yeah, I think, you know, maybe I'd... Oh, that's really difficult. There's a lot I would have done different when I was like starting out teaching. That I find really embarrassing now, and all the kids remember. Because that is still career, isn't it? Yeah, for me it is definitely, and it still is now. I think, you know, the, the, I think the philosophical answer is that you don't change anything because your mistakes mm-hmm. make you who you are, and your mistakes are your funniest, like most impressive, most artful anecdotes, aren't they? All the mad first dates you've been on, all the one night stands, all the mad shit. You know, I can't, there's so many good ones that I can't take. So it's like, I'm forgetting, I'm not just talking to my mate. But they're life lessons, aren't they, at the end of the day? They're, they're life, life lessons. lessons. And I would, you know, I'm sure you'll have people come on and say that they probably wouldn't change a thing. And I, I, I think that's true. I don't think I would change a thing. Um, But I, I want to, I must have made some like really terrible mistakes. You know, what about, you know, once broke my brother's nose when we were like younger I punched him in my grandma's kitchen probably won't do that again yeah pissing me off (laughs) I just smacked him do you want to get a little bit of rage don't have that anymore to be fair but I'd probably not break Martin's nose again Um, he won't he doesn't even even listen to the fucking album he plays it live (laughs) 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 he doesn't even listen he doesn't know he's got into it now probably won't do that the okay right well I'm gonna take it dark again well not dark deep so there was now I'm just thinking of like horrible things I've said in my life there's, there's this thing I wrote ages ago I think it's in the anthology Ultimate Denim Concert USA the first thing kitchen sink satellite town it's like a short story and there's this bit where and I'd not thought about it until I was older and I was like at these posh houses near ours and like having tea and all that and I'd been up and I was like chilling with all them lot. And I came down, and I'd eaten tea at this posh house, and I came back, and my mum was, like, by the sink, and she, like, made this big meal. And I was like, I don't want it, I'm full, like, I don't really want it. I was really horrible. And then I was, like, so ungrateful. 
And like she went up to my room, blah blah. And she like made this full thing, um, and I just she just knew that I'd been at this like big house up, up the road and all this sort of stuff. And it like came back to me when I was old, and I was like, that was a really horrible thing to do. And I just imagined like I don't know the the poise and the like, you know, what sort of like restraint that must have taken from my mum just to like probably bin whatever it were, pizza or whatever. But yeah, there you go. They wouldn't need all the nasty shit I've said to people. I'd maybe apologise more. Yeah, but I still feel bad about that. Mm. Or, like, maybe some things that I've said to people that might have hurt the feelings I didn't mean. I'd probably like to take all of that back. I'd like to be the nicest person ever and may- I've made zero mistakes. <laughs> Is my answer? Brilliant. <laughs> Would you rather be the nicest person ever and have made zero mistakes or then do this to fix me? That's actually a genuinely hard question. Maybe the nicest person ever because that's the shit that keeps me awake at night, like yeah. saying things. Or do you think they thought I was a knobhead? Or do you think I, I came across wrong? Or, you know. Before I let you go. Um, well, I can't go. I'm in my own gaff. You're, getting, you're the one who's going to be fucking go. going, yeah. <laughs> but go for a pint after this. We'll pack up and go for a pint. There's a pub literally there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, on the Ultimate Denim concert, because you reminded me, on, on the Young Talent thing. Yeah. The one, I can't remember the name, the lads one, about the football and the tattoos. And the oh, yeah, Chappers. Chappers. Yeah. Tell me about Chappers. Chappers real? As a character? Is it, yeah. Um, I used to have a really tough relationship with, like, older men because... I was, I think, don't like football and was raised by my mum and can, like, have some, I guess, traditionally feminine qualities. But then also, well, that's what I used to think it was, but I think when I was a bit younger, I was just, like, a bit of an upstart and I used to just rub people up the wrong way. So I'd, like, be overconfident. They'd be like, who the fuck does this guy think he is, man? Like, this guy's a prick. I hate this guy. Or, like, what are you speaking to? Or that sort of stuff. That, that I just wrote about that. It was just about like toxic masculinity and stuff, and then I think I made it. Do you know what? It's funny because I don't write like that anymore. That's really snarky and mean. Yeah. Now I'd probably write about like someone like that who was obsessed with footy and tattoos and blue wickets, and I'd be like, I'd see my mates in it and be like, this is a lovely person. I'm like really horrible and like snipe for that character. And I probably wouldn't do that anymore. No, you win, don't you, in that poem? Yeah, I'm the winner. Yeah, and the, and Chappers is like a bell end, and everyone laughs at him. Yeah. So I probably wouldn't do that anymore. So that would change. That would change. I don't... It's, it's punching up, in it? You've got to punch up. Why am I having a go at someone who likes like smashing lines of coke and doing watching footy at the weekend? Mint, good for you. <laughs> ah, genuinely. Like, it's just a mad thing to to think. But it comes from, again, a position of insecurity and, and wanting to be better than people or thinking that because I like fucking books that I'm better than them. And I'm not. Football, I don't, I don't, I'm not into football, but I don't think it's a bad thing. It's church, isn't it, for some people? People go football on Sunday. It's church. It's community, and, you know, and so is, so is church, <laughs> and I'm not religious. So who am I to fucking say that sort of stuff? So this is my official apology to Chappers. I'm sure Tonks will like that. Chappers of the world. The Chappers of the world, I'm really sorry. Um, and now I wear trackies, which is apparently a new thing, says Will. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's where we end. No, I think that that look, that ends things quite nicely. Yeah. Go and stream Forest Dance to the new EP by It's really good, I've heard. It got 8.5 on Pitchfork. Yeah, but you get like four, <laughs> wouldn't it? And I'd be, and I'd, then I'd beat myself up forever. <laughs> we'll leave it on that. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Fucking. Bye. 
what a gentleman. Um, really, really enjoyed chatting with Anthony. He was so reflective, so open and honest about his creative process. And just, just a lovely bloke. Like, I always think it's unfair for someone to be that talented and then be really nice as well. Yeah, absolutely agree. Uh, is 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 so so lovely. And uh, the thing with with Anthony is that that surprised me is the fact that he's like on this cusp of a very big moment in his life, but it's is so grounded still, and it's really refreshing to see. It was a, a absolutely fantastic yeah. interview. So find him on all socials at Anthony Schmerick. Yeah, he's please go and follow him. Go and listen to the EP poems to dance to. Proper just unbelievable stuff on the way for him really happy that we got to, to nail down that hour conversation um what are we doing in the coming weeks Romina? well we have got the next installment of uh nata uh, on the 25th of april down at three guys cafe uh if you're interested in coming down and seeing some top top people perform some top top words then check all our socials on instagram and twitter at nata bolton for um, how to get free tickets and all that sort of stuff all the links that you'll need um and yeah uh we're almost out of your hair but first i'm gonna let will tell you about the very exciting guest that will be joining us next time we got to go over to Berry um, and we sat down ahead of his show, um, collected poems and other landfill. We got to talk to an absolute titan of the sort of um, poetic industry, of comedy. Um, we got to sat down, sit down and chat with Mr. Henry Normal, um, who was just lovely, wasn't he? It was. It was a lovely, lovely chap. Um, and what a lovely show that he put on as well. Uh, yeah. We'll also be reviewing that for you guys next week. So keep your eyes peeled on the feed and come back and join us. Absolutely. Thank you for your time. Have a lovely weekend. Bye. Week, day. Bye. Bye. Thanks very much for listening to this episode of the Redraft Podcast. If you've enjoyed listening to this chat, you can help support us over on Patreon. We have three tiers of Patreon support available from three to eight pounds per month. Tier one is the Big Biro tier. In that, you receive a shout out in the episode after you join, access to all of our planning documents, and you can join an exclusive Instagram group chat with other writers to share notes, tips, feedback, and more. In tier two, the Fountain Pen tier, you get all of that plus pre-sale to any upcoming live events that we've got going on and you get to interact with our guests directly by emailing in questions in advance and in tier three you get the typewriter tier includes all the previous benefits plus a free art print from printer poet commission your own poem from us once a year and you also get feedback on a single piece of writing and that's once a month and of course you can also support us for free by following subscribing and dropping us a five-star review on the podcasting platform of your choice and we are really Really grateful for any level of support that you can offer. We know it's a tough old world out there for everyone at the minute. So thank you very much. And if you can't support us in that way, you can always just share us with your friends, tell the world about us, put us on your stories and give us five stars. We'll be back every Monday with a brand new episode of the Redraft podcast for your listening pleasure. <laughs>